What's up all you motorcycle enthusiasts? Welcome to another episode of the V-Twin Life where we talk motorcycles powered those by those V-Twins and what fuels our passion about it and why we enjoy it so much. Also, don't forget this episode of the V-Twin Life is brought to you by that Northwest brand, Crash Inc. Clothing. You can find them on the World Wide Web at CrashInClothing.com and at Instagram at Crash underscore Inc. And also, don't forget, they are now on the shelves at Paradise Harley-Davidson down in Tigard, Oregon. So if you're down in that area... You can swing on into Paradise. You can get yourself some crash gear now. But stay tuned for another crash announcement later in this episode. So let's dive into this one. Today we're joined by Michael Nielsen, who has started his own platform, The Two Wheels to Survive, supporting veterans. Michael is also a medically retired veteran. He was in the Army, did time in Iraq and Afghanistan, and does live here in the Northwest in this beautiful state that I also reside in up in Washington. He's been building his channel on Facebook instagram his youtube channel you know among things bringing awareness to mental health with veterans and veteran suicide epidemic that is seems to be really big and kind of you know took his name around the 22 a day is you know how many veterans that we lose a day so let's dive into this episode with mr two wheels to survive what's going on michael Hey, Denver, how we doing? Glad for, uh, yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you. Should be so, a good time. You know, I've been following your platform for a little while. You know, you guys, you do a lot to help. I think it's fair to say help your brothers and, and sisters is, you know, a lot of them come back from doing their duties overseas and, and have some struggles with coming back. And I, I think it's really awesome what you're doing and everything that you're help providing and bring awareness to it and, you know, raise you know, money and everything for the cause to help with it. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a definitely been a struggle. It's close to home. Um, dealt with my own demons. Uh, still work on my on myself as we go. You know, try to be that example to my brothers and sisters that it's okay to not be okay. Um, kind of get that stigma out of the way that you can speak up and get that help. Because um, unfortunately, um, at this point in my life, I've probably lost almost as many brothers here stateside as I did downrange. So like the numbers are getting close. So yeah, that's yeah, so some, something close to the heart. <clears throat> yeah. I, I can understand that. You know, that's, that's not a good thing. You know, you, you guys do your time and, you know, first of all, thank you for your service of what you did for the country. I mean, that's first and foremost. And, you know, for me, I want to say thank you. No, and, not a problem. You know, it, it's scary. The fact that, you know, you, yourself included and, and, you know, these people come back from doing their time and, they retire from that, whether, you know, they're did their, you know, 20 plus years to retire or do you, you know, their medical retirements. And then, you know, they say retirement is supposed to time where you're supposed to enjoy life. And it's sad to see that so many people come back and, you know, are haunted, haunted by the demons and, and they can't cope and they don't get to enjoy that time of life. And it's, it's not cool. No, nah, it's uh, it's pretty rough, and it's not exclusive to the retired guys. I mean, the uh, you know, you figure the majority of your people who serve, they're a lot of them are are one term. They're doing three, four, maybe six years, and and then they go home and move on to the next chapter of their life and get on with it. And we're we're carrying these scars from. Let's face it, we go over there, we see some things that most you know most people agree we should you should never see. Like you see that ugly side of humanity when you're when you're in a war zone and. It can uh, it affects everybody a little bit differently, um, you know, to varying degrees. And but yeah, it's 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 rough because we come home. There's been a for a long time. There's been that you know, your barrel chested freedom fighter, your Captain America, your GI Joe. You know, you you conquered that. Nothing like my feelings are going to take me down, so I'm just going to bury it and get on with it. And eventually, that that inner struggle just gets to be too much. And unfortunately, we lose a lot of veterans to uh, to the silent war here at home. So, and you know, I, I can understand to a point. I mean, I spent nine years working in a maximum security prison. You know, I'm myself seen things that I can't unsee, and that itself is a thankless job. But I don't think it's nowhere in comparison to what you know you guys see in those war zones. I can relate to what? to seeing things, but not to your extent. That's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, I've, I've got a uh, one of my good friends I grew up with. He's a he's a CEO back in Wisconsin, and 
um, him and I were talking. We uh, actually had a chance. He rode out here, and uh, we shared a week riding around here in the Northwest uh, this summer, uh, which was great. And him and I were talking about it. And I was like, and it's one of the big things I try to, when I talk about it to people out on the road or out in the community, is the big disconnect. Trauma's trauma, right? Your trauma, your trauma is, you know, working the prison system. Uh, the EMTs I talked to out in Wyoming, uh, myself and my brothers, the stuff we've been through a war, trauma's trauma. The, the human body processes it. It's an emotional response, a chemical response to it. It doesn't necessarily care what set that response off. You know what I mean? So, so that's one of those strangely beneficial things is we have that, that common ground of we've been through trauma. So a lot of when you start to have one, the more I've talked to people, the more I've realized that the symptoms are kind of the symptoms are the symptoms, you know, whatever set us to it, whatever's given us those sleepless nights, whatever's given us those cold sweats, those bad dreams, you know, our body is trying to deal with it. So that's one big thing I try to make sure people understand is trauma is trauma. It's not a, it's not a, yours is worse than mine, or I had it harder than you. Like everybody's hurt. Let's just get better. And that is, and so is that kind of where motorcycles came in, came into it for you as also kind of a, a release and a way to, to clear your head and just get in your own head in a way and enjoy it? Yeah, so I kind of, I started out, I've been riding something with a small engine of some sort my entire life. I grew up snowmobiles and four-wheelers, you know, running around in the dirt and snow in the Midwest growing up. I didn't actually find blacktop till you know, seven, eight years in the army is finally when I found blacktop with some of the other guys in the platoon uh, and started riding and been hooked to it ever since. Uh, definitely when I got home from Iraq and stuff, it was, was a form of therapy. It's a good chance to get away. And, you know, you get to sell a little isolate yourself a little bit and kind of be present in the moment. Uh, we all, you know, if we're listening to this podcast, we probably all ride. We understand if you're not paying attention on the bike. You can have a real bad day if you're not paying attention. So by being forced to focus on what we're doing, it lets us kind of get away from that stuff that gets into our headspace. But at the same time, you get that kind of dual presence where you get to sort through some things, whether you realize you're working on them or not. So, so yeah, but riding's definitely become a form of therapy for me. Um, I think it is for a lot of veterans. I think it is for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's that old adage, you know, you know, you never see a bike in front of a therapist's office. Well, I don't believe in that either. If you need to go to the therapist's office, go to the therapist's office too. I'll park my bike there with you. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely become a form of therapy for sure. Um, and it's one know. of those those hashtags I like to use. You know, it's throttle therapy. Absolutely. And the uh, I think one of the things that took me a long time to maybe realize uh, for myself um, being out riding was being out when you're out on the bike, you're typically trying to, I don't know, a lot of riders, I know for myself, I typically try to get out of town. I stay away from the cities. I get off the big roads. I want to get out in the mountains. I want to get out to the coast. And what I realized is being out in those kinds of places, having three national parks here in Washington to ride around in is kind of spoils us. But uh, being out there, it helped me realize with all the ugly I saw over there, there's still a whole lot of beauty in this world I haven't seen. And it gave some balance back to life. That's a very good point that and makes. a good way to put it. And it, like I said, it took me a long time to ma- to realize that maybe that's why I needed to always get out of town on the bike because I was just looking for some of that balance. So, yeah, and which, yeah I mean, it's definitely I can very understand it and relate to that. It's a good way to put it and a good can't think of the right terminology, but yeah, I I like what you said. I mean, it, it is a way to. It's not so much that you're escaping, but it's just it's a release and a way to just the majority of the country didn't know we were having that issue. Um, so yeah, about five years ago, I decided the the mission was going to be getting the word out, making sure people knew that that was happening. Um, I think we're at a point now where by and large, uh, you know, major media outlets are covering it. You know, it's on 24 hour news cycle stuff. You know, those channels are covering it. So we're more focusing in on the, the mission has kind of evolved into ending the stigma of asking for help. So that's kind of where it's at right now is, uh, helping to spread that, continue to spread that message um, that this is happening. And it's, if you know it's happening and you're one of those guys like me, like it's okay to not be okay. You can speak up and ask for help. It's not weak. So, so that's kind of how the whole thing, the whole two is to survive thing started is I just needed something bigger than me <laughs> to be, a, to serve and be a part of. So, 
kind of a long-winded answer. But. Well, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, you, you've done your, you go, you know, tour different areas and, you know, you set, you set things up in motion and, you know, like we talked earlier, you know, you would go from meeting at different dealerships and people would come and really spreading the word and, and helping be a voice in this is, it's awesome. And I commend you. I think it's great. I appreciate it. And it's the, the least I can do. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a position where I'm able to go out, you know, here in the, in the Puget Sound area of the, of the Pacific Northwest, you know, we're, we're pretty saturated with military, whether we realize it or not, you know, you've got half a dozen military active duty installation within a hundred and 150 miles of each other, guard armories, Boeing's here, Northrop Grumman's here. We've got a, a large military industrial complex. So I, one of the things I noticed when I was traveling, you get out of the area and we kind of take it for granted in our community because we have so much military that everybody knows about it. And then as I rode around and traveled a little more, I realized, like, Hey, you get out of the, out of the, the military town, so to say, and people don't know what was going on. So, <laughs> and that bothered me. Yeah. In a way you, you think, I don't want to say the right term is, you know, they're shielded from it, but you know, you get into some of those smaller communities and it seems some of them, you know, they get irritated with what's going on in the bigger cities or whatnot. That they don't follow a lot of that big media. Just, you know, they, they stay focused on their small, you know, their knit group, their, their smaller communities. And, but I think now we're, you know, society has, you know, evolved in all the world of social media. I think it's really brought a bigger presence to people. I, I think that's some of it. And I think the other part is, is, you know, it's just the, at least here in the area, it's just the saturation of military. Like if you were to, if you were to pull up a map of the U S there's certain parts of the country that like they're known for being heavy on the military, right? Like Norfolk, Virginia is pretty famous for the, for the Navy, you know, Pearl Harbor is pretty, pretty famous for be, being heavy on military. We are the San Diego area because the, you know, the Marine Corps depots down there. So there's some areas of the country where we're pretty saturated with military. So we're going to be a little more aware of what's happening to the community. You go out to the smaller towns, you go out even like out into Eastern Washington, you go to the guard armories and the reserve centers out there. You know, those hundred, 150 guys that form up at that guard armory are coming from, some of those guys are coming from three, four hours away for drill weekends, you know? So just the sheer saturation out there or the lack of saturation in those smaller towns also makes it hard to know what's going on. And they may not understand, you know, Dave came home from war, man. He was, you know, he deployed with the national guard of the reserves and he came back and he's, he's just angry all the time. He's drinking and we don't know what's going on. The war messed him up. You know, they may not realize he's dealing with that and they may not know to ask. So that was where I wanted to like have those conversations out in those, those areas where maybe they don't quite see as many cases of it so they don't quite understand what they're looking at if that makes sense no it does i tell you one thing you know so. not to change the subject than that but man you go through out by yakima at the training grounds in the summertime when they're doing a big drill out there and holy cow that'll open your eyes quickly when you come around the corner out there what is it 84 and all of a sudden you got military everywhere Oh yeah, and I've and I've been that guy sitting on the hill on the side of eighty four, and the traffic's blazing by, and you gotta, you know, being on the other side of the guardrail, I can imagine you drive by and you're like, "What is going on over there? Where did all that come from?" Yeah, <laughs> it, it'll uh, we're, it'll we're, wake you up in a heartbeat, that's for sure. For sure, you know, you I know you're, you know, we're a couple hours apart, but down here, you know, I'm three exits, four exits from Fort Lewis here, so. You know, like my windows shake and stuff when the artillery is shooting here on post. <laughs> so, and we've had a couple of people move into the area uh, that I work with that moved in, you know, from like Vermont or Ohio. And they're like, what is, like, what just blew up? And we're like, oh, it's just Fort Lewis shooting. <laughs> well, it's like today I was down in Port Townsend, the wife and I, and boy, there was a lot of uh, air traffic coming out of Whidbey. There was all kinds of planes flying around and, Oh yeah, if the growlers come down there, forget about yeah, those. Yeah, they, they were doing a lot of flying today. We were walking the beaches, different area down there, and yeah, there was a lot of. I mean, saw a good amount of planes in the air, but boy, you could definitely hear a lot of a lot of jet engine noise going on. You know, it's and you get the people up there that complain about it, want to try to shut it down. You got all these petitions. It's like, you know, that air base has been there for a long time. How long have you been there? You move to a town that you know there's a naval base, and all of a sudden you want to complain about it. Maybe you shouldn't have moved there, but that's yeah. just my opinion. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, they and they, they went through, you know, they're going through it down here too between McCord and Fort Lewis or what is now, I guess, officially joint base Lewis-McCord. Um, I'm old school. I still separate the two of them. Yeah. But, um, the, uh, but yeah, same thing with all the, uh, with all the rotary wing aircraft coming out of, out of Fort Lewis, you know, they had to change, worked with the community to change some flight boxes and stuff and move around the schedules to be, you know, more considerate to the community and stuff. So I, I get what you're saying about the complaints up there at Whidbey too. It's a, just a evidence of our evolving times here in the Northwest, I guess. True. <laughs> So I seen you actually. You went for a nice little ride down around Hood Canal the other day. Did um, you go down around Allen and yeah. stuff. Yeah, just cruised up over the Narrows Bridge there, and then uh, you know, over uh, Purdy Spit, and then back down through Allen and What's Shelton, that? back down around here to Louisiana. That? Is that Highway Three? I think I don't remember. It's I've done it a few times. It, it is a nice little ride, and yeah, um, there there's some great roads. I mean, you know, we're fortunate in this area that we do have a lot of you know little back highways and side highways and. I can get a nice little a nice little ride, and you really don't have to go far. Yeah, we're we're pretty spoiled out here in the Northwest, and if you're if you're out with either a little cold or a little rain or a little bit of both, you can pretty much ride. I'd say you can ride twelve months out of the year. You can get at least one ride in every month if you as long as you keep the bike ready to go. The uh, you know, but yeah, some are a little more wet, some are a little more cold, some are a little more of both. But you could ride all year here if you really wanted to. So, oh, absolutely. Which, I, which I do for the most part. So I do too. You know, it's, you know, pretty fortunate. You see a lot of guys all oh, time to put away the bike for winter where, you, you know, it's like I was talking to a guy uh, down in Texas and he's like, so you guys got your bikes all put away for the winter now up there. Right. And I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, not, out, not out here along the, you know, not here in the Northwest, at least on this side of the mountains, we don't, maybe if you're out in Spokane or tri cities, you're putting it away for the year, but you know, the only thing I don't like is you got to watch is like when they lay that de-icer down. Cause man, that'll, that brine, that brine will rust you up real quick. Oh yeah. <laughs> that'll definitely ruin your chrome and your aluminum in a heartbeat. If you don't wash it as soon as you come back. For sure. The, uh, it's not nearly as bad as the, uh, stuff they put down up in the passes and stuff where you can almost watch it blister your paint, but, <laughs> but yeah, it'll that... definitely, it'll definitely do a number if you're not taking care of the plate. Yeah, that's very true. So what do you think? What was your funnest trip you did this year? Or most, not, uh, maybe not funnest, but one that you, you seem to enjoy more than the other? Or? Probably the best ride I did this year. Um, I had kind of hinted at it a little earlier. Um, childhood friend of mine. I mean, we've known each other since before we can remember. Uh, he still lives back in Wisconsin, Milwaukee area, and was able to ride out. I met him out in Spokane, and uh, we rode North Cascades and took him, you know, down the west side of the state here and back over through, you know, white and or took him through Chinook pass and out through tri cities. And then, uh, we went out through Lolo pass. And then when we hit, uh, Missoula there, he went, continued on his way. And then I went up flathead Lake and over top of Ponderay and back through, uh, basically looped the state twice in like eight days or something like that. So probably the best ride I did this year. <laughs> that actually sounds like a fun one. That North Cascades has got to be one of my favorites. Like I said, you come down and do North Cascades, you know, there's uh, back highways and get you back to 90 and then, you know, your fortune. It's like, we can do the Cascade loop. You can go take North Cascades, come back Stevens, or you can go down, come back Snoqualmie, or you can do the big loop. You head east a little ways and come back White's Pass, or you can zigzag it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, once we hit the, once we hit the good summer where all the passes are cleared out, you know, and, we aren't dealing with any of the wildfires to catch that good window in there in the middle of the summer. And yeah, it's like, we kind of got, we kind of got the cat's pajamas here on, on where we want to ride and what we want to do. And, uh, yeah, the mountain highway is a great ride out there. Um, the, uh, Chinook pass is always one of my favorites getting up and over 410 there. Um, I hit that, I don't know how many times this summer. And I think I did North Cascades, like, if you count all my east and west trips, I think it was like four or five times this year I went through North Cascades and um, was actually joking about it at work yesterday, uh, yesterday or uh, Wednesday. My my 2021 hog packet came in, right? So it's got the 10 rides for 21 book in it. Mm-hmm. North Cascades National Park is one of the 10 rides for 20. Yeah, okay. I passed the I passed the signs. You know, there's a sign on either end, so you figure I passed the sign 10 times. I forgot to stop, take a picture, and didn't actually do it for the 10 rides for 20. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
did the did the ride, just didn't get the photographic evidence to send a hog. <laughs> See, and that's what I'm bad about sometimes too, as you do some of those and. You know, I, I get bad about not stopping for pictures of certain things sometimes. That's one thing I know I need to work on myself is, you know, stopping for some of those little, those picture moments. It's like I get caught up in the moments. Like, I just want to ride. Yeah. You know, and you go through those stretches. I think I've, I've I think this might have been the first year I took pictures in Yakima Canyon. You know, I've been riding it for a decade. It's probably the first time I actually stopped in there and took pictures. Oh, the, <laughs> down at a uh, Canyon River camp. Yeah, actually, right along the, coming down through there. I actually, you know, out of Ellensburg. Yeah. I actually just love that ride. It's one of my favorite rides, and I ride it, I don't know, as often as I can during the summer, and, you know, because I'm lucky where I'm at. It's a day ride for me. So, <laughs> the, yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, still never stopped and took pictures in it until I want to say this year was the first year I did it. So, I get what you're saying about forgetting to take pictures, and you'd think if I'm running a social media presence, I'd be a little better about it, but. I get plenty of other ones. I just, maybe I don't get the stereotypical ones like national park signs and stuff. So, well, yeah, that's one thing I got to work on too, is remember to try to not so much enjoy the ride, but, you know, be able to capture some of those moments. So you can always have something to look back on and, and bring back memories besides looking at the ones in your head, you know, have those pictures to, to go off and which, you know, maybe those will help inspire other people that might want to visit there or just help inspire other people to, to want to get on a ride yeah or even just get out and explore even if it's even if it's not on a bike you know i was i was lucky enough uh the first year that two wheels to survive was around i rode 22 national parks in a month uh work was cool they gave me a month off of work to go ride my harley like sounds great right <laughs> um, sounds like a dream <laughs> yeah it's pretty awesome uh, I'm, I'm not gonna complain uh but yeah we rode 22 national parks uh when we raised a uh that was our big fundraising push out of the gate um, at the time and raising the awareness and getting out and talking to people and, you know, remembering luckily, uh, you know, I had the passengers, so she remembered to break the camera out. And I think we ended up with like 2000 pictures by the time the trip was over. Um, and those are all still up on the Facebook page. Uh, if people want to go through them, they're set up by, there's a gallery for each park and stuff and some of the stuff. in. We, uh, yeah, it was a, that was a big thing was remembering to slow down and, you know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in enjoying the ride, we forget to slow down and stop and enjoy the view once in a while. So worked a little more on that this year, rode a, a few less miles on some of the trips than I probably could have rode, but I made sure I got off the bike and sat down on the curb and enjoyed my insignificance, as I like to say. Yeah, and sometimes it's those moments that you can really reflect on it and, you know, enjoy those or you take in that those little places or, you know, the vistas that you stop at. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it doesn't always have to be something epic, like going to the sun road or hurricane Ridge. And, you know, it doesn't have to always be something like that. It can be a little pull out on the side of the road in Lolo pass next to the river. That's in the middle of nowhere and traffic's just rolling by and you're just sitting on a boulder, just enjoying nature and you just enjoy. (laughs) Yeah. That pass, I got to experience it this August and man, it, I'd heard about it forever and tell you what, if anybody, you know, if you live in the West coast or you want to plan on a, a trip somewhere, that is one epic ride. Yeah. Like Lolo. You said, pulling over, you sit on a boulder, you know, along the river, whether you're on the East or the West side of, of the pass, there's a river on each side and man, yep. it's just beautiful, tranquil land That's in right. the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You went through there on your uh, K in a day, right? Yeah. I did. Yeah, so you were racing the clock a little bit, you know, next time you get through, you'll be able to stop off a little more and enjoy it a little bit. I think I was lucky enough to ride it three times this summer. So the, uh, yeah, definitely went, uh, this is the first time I've actually ridden it as well. Um, was the first time I got through it. So the, uh, yeah, went to the top of my list of, you know, top 10 rides here in the area real fast. So, and then, uh, you know, if you you do that out into Missoula, I'm a big fan of jumping on 200 and, that's a good ride through Montana instead of taking 90 takes you up through Ponderay and brings you in, you know, you can catch us two there. You can drop down to 90 and come back into Spokane, but you know, that's a good ride up in that area too. And, uh, chatted with some guys out by flathead that keep me into a few more spots up by, was it, you know, Bonner's ferry or whatever, way up in the tip of the Idaho panhandle. So had more rides to add to the list. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it is some absolute beautiful country over there. I mean, you get, you know, areas of that panhandle and coming down all through that Nez Perce area. And then, like I did, I, I headed down, gosh, what was it, 95, which takes you along some of the canyons and little crests of the mountains over there. And it, it is some absolutely freaking beautiful country. Yeah, you get down, you know, that, that Hell's Canyon area. So it's absolutely beautiful down in there. You get down in the southeast corner of the state of Washington here, you got – um. I don't know. I can never remember the official road, but I know they call it rattlesnake grade down in there. It's the very Southeast corner. You go South out of Lewiston down through the corner of Washington. It drops down into Oregon uh, there in the Northeast corner of Oregon. And man, that was an awesome ride. That was one. I, uh, I knew I wanted to ride it just cause it was one of the few parts of the state I hadn't been in, but I was not expecting the great road that I ran into down there. And that's another one that's in the middle of nowhere. Like, you know, yeah, that's the one you're it's talking- halfway to nowhere and it's a great ride. <laughs> yeah you go from uh, lewiston to so, enterprise oregon yeah it's, didn't even necessarily want to ride it fast just wanted to ride it and enjoy it so pretty cool yeah. place my dad did that one this summer he's like man you got to check it out yeah it goes from what is that 129 then you cross into oregon then it becomes highway three yeah yeah that sounds right because i stayed at the state park down there uh, field spring state park left out of there so yeah, 395 going south out of Pendleton is another one that's a, a beautiful ride. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty popular one running down out of there. So, yeah, that's that's all. I mean, like you said, we're, we'll beat that horse till we're till we're sick of it. You know, we're pretty spoiled out here in this three, really this three or four state region we're in up here in the Northwest. So, oh yeah, I mean yeah, Washington, Oregon. I mean, you touch some areas in Northern California. You got Nevada, Idaho, Montana. I mean, th- there is some absolutely amazing scenery to be seen and some amazing roads and God, it would take years and years to to touch it all really. Yeah. And that's been, that's really kind of the, the big thing for me is, you know, I've got a, I think it's up on my uh, Instagram. There's, I think there's a picture of a Washington state map. I've got, I've got all the roads highlighted I've been on so I can make sure I get them all at least once and then I can go back and hit the ones I really like. So, <laughs> cause yeah, there's a lifetime of riding out here. Yeah, it really is. And that's all. I mean, also how you get to find some of these cool places that just, you know, get off the main highways and take some of these back roads and, and just explore. Yeah. You, you find really good food. You find some great views. You find a, a good couple mile stretch of road that maybe you never would have found. And that, uh, that really went a long way, you know, helping me just kind of respark the, well, it's over now. I, I, I'm never going to be as cool as I was. You know, once I got that one, I started to get that wanderlust back being out on the bike and being on the road. So yeah, very, it's one of those great unspoken. I tried, I don't like bringing it up a ton because I like for people to just kind of experience it and ex- find it themselves on their own riding journey. But, you know, I'll gladly lead the way. I'll show you some great roads and get you going, but hopefully that wanderlust bites you and you take off and explore on your own. It's one of the great things about the riding community. <laughs> Absolutely. And very true. It, it is. And now see, you're riding a road King. Am I correct? I, yeah, I am. I'm riding a 2011 road King right now. Those are, I've always been a fan of the road Kings and I consider one of the biggest thing for me when I was looking at getting a new bike was, you know, being where we live up here in the Northwest, the biggest yeah. thing I wanted was hard bags. Cause they're, you exactly. know, we do get caught in that crappy weather and, you know, ride through the rain, wherever, you know, that destination you're going to, knowing that your stuff is in those hard bags and you have something dry to put on is huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's amazing what a what a dry shirt and a dry pair of socks can do for you, make oh, you more comfortable. Absolutely. The yeah, I had an Ultra Limited for a while. Um, so, you know, I had a full dress bike for a little bit and uh, reached up one day and shut the radio off on the dash of it and turned out to not be my thing after a few thousand miles. So. There were some other reasons we traded it in, but when I had, when I did trade it away, uh, I went back to a road. I had a Road King Classic, went to a Limited, and then actually went back to a Road King. So it's it's the right amount of for me. You know, it, it gets me the hard bags. I can I've got the detachable tour bag and everything for when I take the bigger trips. But for my day riding and stuff, it was it was minimal. It was kind of the minimalist approach to the ride that I wanted. You know, I didn't want to have. I get on my bike. I don't want. And there's nothing wrong with it. If that's the way you ride, that's cool. You know, if you do guys do that are listening, 
I don't want my phone connected to my to my bike talking to me and having phone calls and text messages coming in. I throw my I throw my phone in the saddlebag when I get on the bike because I don't want to talk to the world. <laughs> no, that, so. yeah, I understand. You know, and everybody has their has their system, I guess you could say, that works for them. And yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you get on the right. bike sometimes to disconnect from it all, and sometimes that's what you got to do. And what's that saying? Ride your ride, right? So, yeah, and. And if, and if you are plugged in and you got all the, you know, you know, you got the, the Bluetooth phone going and you're text messaging and talking on the phone, I don't care. I'll still ride with you. We share tons of miles. Don't bother me. Just <laughs> yeah. but We're all out there. Just, you know, enjoy the ride, put down some miles and have a good time. Exactly. And I don't care if it's connected to your Indian, your BMW, your Honda, your Yamaha, whatever, man, let's go ride. Riding's riding. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, you know, same way I am, you know, it's kind of the whole point when I was starting this podcast and trying to figure out a name of how to want to do it. And I went with the V twin life. Cause I mean, the V twin covers so many bikes. It's not, it's not just Harley. It's not Indian. I mean, Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, you know, I mean, shit, Moto Guzzi goes the other way, but you know hey, what? We got the L nineties and the Ducatis. You got, I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. We get- yeah, I think everybody at some point either currently does or at some point in their life, every manufacturer has made V-twins. Oh, so. yeah. And it does. It covers everything. And, you know, it's like you said, you're talking Ducatis, man. That Dude, the sound that come out of those Ducatis is just so oh, impressive. And I, I, God, yeah. I just love it. Yeah, it's absolute music. The, uh, yeah, I started, believe it or not, I started black. When I found Blacktop, I started on a sport bike. I started on a ZX6R Ninja. So that was my first black, my first road bike. <laughs> it took a couple of years till I found Harleys. <laughs> I did but, too. Uh, I, I used to have a, a 750, the Suzuki GSES, which is kind of the, okay. the beginning of, I think they basically became the GSXRs. And it sounds right. Same thing. You know, it, dude, that was yeah. a fun bike. God, it was quick and, but yeah, yeah. You, you evolve. It's like, you know, you start riding and then you figure, okay, well, you know what? Like touring and traveling, you know, this could, I enjoy this. And, you know, for, for that, that bike just wasn't going to work for that. For sure. And, you know, and that's, it was, it was a couple of things. I had, I had some rules I put in place for myself that if I ever broke them, I'd sell the bike. And, um, I broke a couple of them. I lucked out, you know, and nothing bad happened to me, but definitely had the potential to, uh, to give me a bad day. I uh, just lucked out and I didn't want to push my luck on it. So I, I sold that bike, but, um, you know, and it was getting to that point where it was like, if I really wanted to push the potential of the bike, I was going to start spending all the money on it being a track bike and, you know, really seeing what I could get out of it. And I was like, well, do I want to spend all my money and time at the racetrack or do I want to go out and explore? And it really turned into I wanted to go wandering. So that was kind of the evolution. And that's all part of it. I mean, I think when people, you first start getting into the motorcycling, your first bike is never going to be the bike. You know, everybody, you get what you can, I think boils down to what you can afford. Okay. I want to get on the road. You find a, you find a good deal. You you get yourself a bike, you know, you're in the wind, you're enjoying it. And then, you know, take some time, get comfortable, but then develop and, you know, figure out kind of which Avenue, where you want to go with riding. What, what is your style and, you know, you're just going to be enjoying those day rides. So, okay, maybe a sport bike could work. You know, there's so many different avenues that of ways people can go that your first bike is never going to be the bike. Absolutely. It, it gets you started. It, you know, it sets that hook. And then, you know, you, you go from there and figure out which fork in the road, which way do you want to go. And that's exactly. You know, that's what's so great about the sport is it, there's so many ways to enjoy it. And I'm I'm sure you get the question a lot too. I know I do because, you know, especially at work, everybody knows like he rides all the time. I've ridden in to work on some days where even when I got off the bike, I was like, I probably shouldn't have been riding the bike today. (laughs) But uh, so I get a lot of, hey, I'm looking to get my first bike. What should I get? Like how many times have we gotten that question, right? Oh, yeah. And I always have the same answer. I'm like, start with being real about what kind of riding you want to do, you know? If you're being real about what kind of riding you want to do, it's going to at least get you in the vein. You may not land on the bike, but at least if you got it in your head, you want to like, oh, I want to do these these 500 mile a day sunset rides like you do. Yeah, don't go buy it. Don't go buy a, a Ducati Panigale. That's not going to be not going to be the tool for the job. You know, 
Or yeah. if you're like, you know, you're like, I want to throw sick nooners and do burnouts. Cool. Go get the Ducati. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go find yourself a ninja, you know, get that CBR. Yeah, exactly. So that's, and that's really kind of the piece that I've always, I always try to, I never like, Oh, you got to get a road King or you got to get a GS 1200. Like, dude, what kind of riding are you going to do? Well, I want to do this. All right, cool. Look at this, this style of bike and see what, see what sets your soul on fire. Go from there. <laughs> yeah. You know, look at, uh, what's your budget? You know, you, you don't got to break the bank. You know, there are so many, you get second- on you know, the old Facebook marketplace or Craigslist, man, you can find some killer deals. I mean, you know, the old Honda VTXs, there's nothing wrong with those. Some of the old Vulcans. I've always yeah. been a big star or a big fan of the road stars and, you have yeah. great bikes and i mean you could a guy could find a good quality bike for two three grand that could last him a few years till get him introduced and figure out exactly what what he wants to go and there ain't nothing wrong with that i mean Not everybody's got to start somewhere and they're a great platform there's so much information in different groups and it's a great way to go and then figure out what do you want to do from there and like you mentioned very very rarely it probably happens once in a while but as a general rule, you pretty much don't land on the bike the first time. Exactly. So that, that leads to a great secondary market that's lightly used because everybody else just like, I thought that was it and that's not it. So I'm on to my next one. So I want someone to love this one. So like you said, you can, you can find that intersection of this is the kind of ride I want to do. And here's my price point. And it kind of gets you into your neighborhood and gets you moving, you know? So it's yeah. it's so great about it but the uh yeah and I'm, I'm i'm one of those weirdos i don't know i guess i'm one of those weirdos like i'd rather be out riding like the rallies don't do anything for me <laughs> i think there's a few of them that you know i just i'm experienced one time whether i go again or not it's like you know i just want to experience but in the same way i'd you know whether I, you know i go with my dad or the group you know, two to two to four guys, or, you know, maybe five, depending and just go on an adventure figure, Hey, you know what, here's where we want to get up. Maybe in two, three days, we want to be here. Cool. Yeah. So we're going to be in a few days. Now let's just explore. I've, I've had plenty of four day weekends or weeks, you know, week trips where it's like, so what are you doing? I'm like, well, I know I want to ride this stretch of road. Other than that, I don't know how I'm getting there, how I'm getting home. I just know I'm hitting that stretch of road at some point during the trip. <laughs> and then there's those ones, you know, like uh, we're um, and actually in the process of setting up for 2021. Uh, last week of June, the five-year anniversary, we're doing 22 national parks again. Um, this time we're, we're doing it for Mission 22. But, um, you know, that one takes – I got – I have 30 days for 22 parks. It, you know, taking it easy. It's like 26 days. It gives me a couple of days to get back and relax before I go to work and stuff. It's like a 7,500 mile trip in three and a half weeks. It's got to be a little more planned than, eh, I'm just going to hit that park tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit more logistics goes into, into that. I can understand. Yeah. And then, you know, especially we're trying to set up some, some tables and some meet and greets and some conversations along the way at, you got to plan it a little better so we can coordinate with, with supporters and sponsors and stuff. So, yeah, just, you know, keep me in the loop. I'd love to help share, you know, your adventures along that and, and help push it and do whatever I can to help you on. That would be awesome. For sure. We're uh yeah. Yeah. 2020, you know, was a lot of the, at least getting the planning piece on my side done. Now as we're getting down to the end of the year here and getting into January, we'll really start pushing and start the, trying to get together whatever versions of events we can get in 20, their first part of 21 with the way the world is. Right. <laughs> the, uh, we'll start getting that stuff moving. And then, yeah, 26th of June, the kickstand goes up. We head for the first park. So the, uh, <clears throat> be out through, uh, Mount Rainier and North Cascades and then on over to Glacier. And then we drop down basically the Colorado plateau and through Utah, Arizona, back through California and up the coast. It's kind of the short version of the ride. <laughs> I know I want to get down to Utah and, and check those out desperately. I mean, I've just seen so many pictures of that area and oh, the yeah. backdrops and those the national parks down there. It's just the scenery. I, I want to experience it badly. Yeah, the uh, 
the the Utah five are some pretty awesome parks. I was pretty lucky to hit those last time around too. And um, the, uh, the other one is hitting up. Um, now I'm going to draw a blank on it because I'm thinking about it is um, anyways, I'll come back to it when I think about it, but <laughs> you know, like, and then you, the, you got the stuff in between like Yellowstone and uh, Grand Teton. You got the John D Rockefeller parkway. You know, not necessarily a park, but a beautiful ride. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I'm going to think of it here because it's bugging me. The Because, um, yeah, you get down. There we go. Just thought of it. Grand Staircase Escalante. There it is. Okay. <laughs> you get down in Utah. So you got, um, you got Bryce Canyon and um, Zion. And in between, you've got the Grand Staircase Escalante area that I almost I'm not gonna lie I almost rode off the road three or four times just getting sucked in by the view <laughs> the other one I've heard is really cool down there that you know a friend told me about is uh Canyonlands or Canyon oh. Reef yeah you so you got Capitol Reef yeah I'm sorry I Bryce Canyon's up north by Moab you got Capitol Reef um Cabaret, Bryce Canyon, Zion in the bottom, and then up in Moab, you've got Arches and Canyonlands. There we go. I always get which ones are where mixed up in Utah because you got two up north and the other three are down south. Okay. But um, so I was lucky enough to hit all five of them when we did the ride a few years back. So um, Canyonlands was was pretty awesome. Um, the uh, being up on I think it's called Angels Landing because you got two entrances to the park. You can't actually ride through Canyonlands. Um, there's a north entrance and a south entrance, but unless you have backcountry permits and you have like 10 days, you can't ride through, you can't go through the park one end to the other. Oh, you, you, you kind of go in and do the loop on one end and then you go to the south end and you go in and that's, um, I want to say it's the needles. Don't quote me on that. I think it's called the needles. Um, I didn't do that part of the park last time. So might do that part of the park this time, uh, just cause of time constraints and stuff. I wasn't able to do both ends. But, you know, if you're staying in Moab, you're 10 minutes from Arches and 30 minutes out of Canyonlands or whatever. Um, and then we'll cross over into Colorado. We'll go do Black Canyon of the Gunnison, um, come down through Million Dollar Highway through uh, Silverton and Durango and then out to Mesa Verde National Park and then uh, back into Utah to hit the other three to hit Capitol Reef, uh, Bryce Canyon and Zion and ride Grand Staircase along the way. So should be a pretty epic few days through there. It was, I was lucky enough to be in Durango for 4th of July last year. So we'll see how the timeline lands this year. <laughs> well, the whole thing sounds like it'd be just amazing. You guys going to hit any of the uh, Pacific Coast Highway coming back up? Um, so I'm doing Redwoods. Um, so I'll hit, so coming out of California, it'll be, um, you know, we'll do Sequoia Kings Canyon, Yosemite. We're going to go out to Pinnacles and then we come back in to um actually it's sequoia kings canyon out to pinnacles and then back up to yosemite and then we'll run up to lassen volcanic and cut across out to the coast for redwoods and then from there we'll run up to um crater lake and then back up to uh end the ride it should be ending the ride at um olympic so should end the ride coming around the peninsula so right right in my region Yep, should be passing right through your neighborhood. <laughs> um, well, I have to stay in touch, man. I'll meet up with you somewhere. Yeah, for sure, we we'll we'll share some miles. You'll uh, you'll know when we're coming. Oh yeah. The, uh, I debated reversing the route. Um, so I started looking at timing and when I'd be where, and you start looking at temperatures and stuff. And like, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and keep the way I was going. <laughs> yeah, because you start dealing with. The insanely high temperatures in the desert southwest the later into the later into the trip you get or it's a nice part about leaving late june you know the northern part of the route we're still getting down close to the frost line when we're in montana but temperatures are manageable when you get down into arizona and utah yeah i, I can understand that yeah you're not totally baking in the deserts down there yeah you know it all depends you know we can plan the best we can but mother nature's gonna do what she wants to us so <laughs> yeah yes try to be prepared the best you can and go with it exactly that's why we plan a couple extra days into the trip you know so if we got to cut a day short just because either weather doesn't cooperate or we have a bike issue you know that happened to me coming out of um uh where were we 
Oh, we were on our way to uh, Sequoia Kings Canyon last time. Went and uh, went to hop on the road and went to shift down and strip shift shafts flying off. Oh, so, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, uh, got it into the gas station, was able to get it to catch enough to get it up to like, I think I was in fourth or fifth gear. Now you figure it's me, a passenger, and a month's worth of riding gear stacked on the bike. And, you know, it was eight o'clock in the morning. Like, I had to wait for Antelope Valley Harley to open. And, uh, like, as soon as they opened, we were on the phone with them, told them what we had going on. And uh, he's like, where are you? So we told him where we were at. And I'm like, you know, it says I'm like an hour and a half out. I was like, the pace I'm at, yeah, that sounds about right. He's like, if you get here in the next 90 minutes, he's like, I don't care if we have to pull parts off a bike in the showroom. Like, we'll get you on the road today. I was like, if I'm not there in 90 minutes, I'm on the side of the road and I'm probably calling you again anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here we are blasting through California at a whopping like 45 miles an hour. Cause I don't, can't grab another gear. <laughs> but yeah, they were a solid team down there at Antelope. Got us, got us in, changed out our shift slash flying. Noticed our rear tire was walking the line. So we just went ahead and did it since they had it up on the lift. They had us out that afternoon and we were back on the road. So things like that, <laughs> you know, you ride 7,500 miles in three and a half weeks. You're going to, you're going to encounter some things. So. Yeah. How many miles <laughs> do you have on your bike? Uh, just about 79,000 on this one. So oh, nice. Yeah. You're getting there. Yeah. So we get, we get it in, you know, considering I still work 50 hours a week. I got a, a, a kid that's now this year is technically a junior in high school, I guess as weird as the school years are with all this digital learning, but oh. <laughs> yeah, I know my, my youngest is a senior this year. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's so messed up. Exactly. So you figure the, the first half of my my time on blacktop, I was still on active duty, so I was gone with everything that in, entailed of being, you know, riding around on uh, strikers and tanks and deploying Iraq and Afghanistan and not working fifty plus hours a week in the civilian world. So I'm I'm still getting after it when I can. It's not it's not nearly as much riding as I'd like it to be, but it's still it's still more than a lot of people. So I definitely don't sneeze at it. <laughs> hey, you know, that, that's all you can do. You ride when you can and we always we all wish we could get more but hey you get what you can and yeah enjoy the moments exactly um actually i was looking at the at least the weather down here i don't know how it is up on your end of the peninsula but i think i'm gonna blast down because uh vista house down in the gorge is one of the 10 for 20 that i also haven't man i've been through a handful of times this summer and have never bothered to stop and get the picture for so thinking about blasting down to the Vista house and snatching the picture this weekend. So <laughs> there you go. It's like a yeah. hundred and you know, it's like a, what is it? Like a 250, 275 mile loop. So not too bad. But, yeah. I'll be, I'll be delivering firewood, helping for the, the senior party fundraiser for, for the senior yeah. class up here. They do fundraisers every year. And the, the firewood sales is what brings in the most, the most money for their fundraisers. And, got some friends that have you know loaned us their dump trailer so on the weekends i my wife and i donate our time and she's helping splitting wood and i'm out delivering loads with the dump trailer oh there you go that'll you'll sleep good on sunday night that's for sure oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i'm pretty lucky I, I get to sneak one in this weekend so it's probably not gonna be till sunday but i'll be able to sneak one in so um, i'm gonna try to sneak one in sometime next week i'm it's been about two weeks i'm ready yeah it's funny you start to get that itch the, oh uh, yeah and then uh, managed to sneak in a little ride down through Raymond PL area in Montesano over uh, on Thanksgiving. So, you know, even even with the the cooler nights and the shorter days we're having, we're still getting it in. <laughs> That's a good little area down there. It's pretty. Oh, it's a great ride. You know, running through PL over to Raymond's a fun road. And that stretch of 101 between, you know, Raymond and, well, I guess Aberdeen. But I always split off. I forget what that little cutoff road is. It goes to Montesano. I don't go oh, the, up through. The McCleary cutoff. Yeah, 106 or whatever it is. So, 107. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they uh, always a good little ride out there. And then, you know, if I'm still feeling like being out, I'll, I'll jump up on the other side and run up, you know, the backside through McCleary into Shelton and out that way. But, yeah, you know, time kind of determines it, too. <laughs> yeah, very true. Time, yeah. time limits the fun we get to have. Right. And uh, Mother Nature does the rest because I'd love to be riding more east than I am. But, uh, you know, snow tires and chains don't do too well on the bike. So <laughs> this is very true. It does tend to put a little damper in the fun. 
Yeah. So, oh, darn, I got to ride along the Pacific Ocean for the next three or four months. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> darn it's the not, bad luck. Yeah, it's not the 75 and sunny of the Pacific Coast in San Diego, but it's still the Pacific Coast. I can't complain. I could, uh, the bike, the bike could be on a lift with stable and a battery tender in the Midwest somewhere right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Granted, you know, this time of the year, I, I do when I'm not riding, though, I will say I do keep my tender plugged in just because. <laughs> so do I, because I don't know when, you know, it may be that I'm like, cool, I'm going to go next weekend. And then the weather sets in and Mother Nature's like, yeah, you're not riding this weekend. So it might be two or three weeks to get on it. So yeah, it's definitely on a tender this time of year. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't take much cold and, to find out that you got a bad battery yeah yeah those small batteries you find out real quick when they're uh they're not healthy so yeah very true the uh you running any kind of heated gear up there or you just layer up and go for it i just layer up and go for it i i, I haven't dove into that one yet i've uh I, I run the jacket and gloves with the thermostat plugged into the bike so that was a that was a game changer. <laughs> yeah, I just, everybody that I've talked to said the same thing, and I just haven't taken the plunge into it. I just layer up, you know, the Under Armour and the layers, and the you know, with the down coat and my Joe Rocket, and just go and for the, it. And a lot of the time, that's where I'm at. Is like I'll just be layered up. Like I still don't run any kind of heated pants. I just you know, I slap on my layers and throw my riding pants on. And um, the I run the. Um, forget the name of the coat i run from harley but it's got the it's got like three layers that zip into it already so it's got a blanket liner it's got a blanket liner a waterproof liner and then the outer shell that zip into it and, you know throw a couple layers of, you know throw my base layer under that and maybe throw the uh you know throw the longies on under there just to throw an extra layer but the the heated gloves for me is where it was at that was the game changer it's not so much the coat as much as it was the heated gloves that's that's what did it <laughs> that made yeah, I absolutely hate getting cold hands. When my yeah. fingers get cold, I God, it sucks. That that turn that turned those six hour days into eight hour days real fast, just because my fingers don't get cold. And the the crazy part is, like, I'm running the Gerbings ones, and if I turn the thermostat all the way up, it'll dry the gloves off in the rain. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> like That's if impressive. you if you keep them cranked up so that you know, don't get me wrong, we get a good soaker out here. It ain't nothing keeping you dry, like. You want to test it if your stuff's actually waterproof. Come ride in the Northwest with us. But yeah, <laughs> very true. We put that word to the test all the time. But um, but yeah, if you get the tempo good, you got a nice, you got a good light mist going, or you're getting that good road spray going. If you keep the tempo up, almost to, you can keep it where they're almost bone dry, even on the outside. It's pretty wild how warm they get. Um, I don't know who's running those things on full blast. It, you either got some serious circulation issues or you're riding in some crazy cold temperatures that you won't see me in. <laughs> and that's, yeah. and that's, and that's from a guy who grew up riding in 25, 30 below on a snowmobile in the Midwest. So, <laughs> Yeah. That's cold. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, I think the coldest I was ever out on a snowmobile was like 20 or 25 below. So, you know, that's a little bit Just... different animal though. So the, the, the way that, you know, the, the body work on those and the way that heat comes out of the engine compartment stuff and heated grips, it's a little bit different animal than be it out on the bike when it's that cold. So, yeah, a lot yeah. more wind. Per- <laughs> yeah, and I have one of those charts. I happen to find the wind chill chart for riding on a motorcycle. And you look at it sometimes like, holy Jesus. Uh, you know, I knew it was cold, but then you look at a chart and it tells you roughly what your temperature is when you're riding when it's you know, 60 and you're doing 60 and oh, look what the temperature actually is now with the wind chill. You're like, Jesus. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, no wonder I'm cold yeah. <laughs> and why I'm dying when I get off the bike. Yeah. The, no uh, kidding. Cause I'm overdressed. The, uh, the other thing that I think, you know, if, if, it, if you got people who haven't ridden up here in the Puget Sound Northwest area is like the cold up here is a different, it's that damp cold. So it gets down in your bones. And once you're cold, you're cold. You know, <laughs> it's, it's different than that dry cold I experienced out on the plains and in the Great Lakes, you know, whereas there's no humidity with it. It's just a, a cold temperature. You know, well, you and, that. That, and the same thing goes for the summer when it comes to the heat, it can be 80, 85 over here and you could be borderline miserable, but you get to the other side of the mountains, Eastern Washington, it could be 90, 95 and it's more yeah. manageable because it's a dry heat. It's not so humid wet. Yeah, it, it it actually feels better. You realize you're like, you know, it's, it's not as oppressive. 
doesn't feel as heavy on you. So it's, it's, it's interesting how, you know, as you ride around, you got to have multiple sets of gloves in this state almost all year. You got to have at least two pairs, if not three pairs of gloves with you all year. <laughs> and I'm one of those guys. I got my heavy, I got my mediums and, and then I got, you know, the lightweight ones. I, I carry all three in my tour pack just because you never yeah. know. I've got I've a, I've, I've basically got like a summer trio and then like a fall winter trio that I run and there's some overlap, but you know, the, the bottom, like the, the thinnest glove gets swapped out with like my heated gauntlets kind of as the year progresses and then they kind of switch back. But yeah, I'm the same way. I've always got the ones I'm wearing another pair that's heavier and usually another pair that's lighter in the bag. So <laughs> Yeah. Cause I've started out and I was like, Oh shoot, you know, the medium ones will be great. And you don't even get five miles from the house, like pull over. Cause this ain't working. Yeah. Whip into the first gas station you see and you're changing gloves. Cause you, you guessed wrong. Yeah. Or even just hitting the shoulder of the highway saying, just screw this. It's cold. <laughs> Yeah, there's been a few of those too. You're like, yeah, I'll just deal with being on the shoulder. <laughs> I try yeah. not to because people are knuckleheads. These seems like they're getting worse. But I, I'm probably a little overly cautious on some of my decision making because I guess in my brain I've survived enough. The, the stupidity I survived over there, I don't need to go out for something I could have avoided here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which is understandable. I get so. that. <laughs> so, and shoot, there's man. I'll oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, and because of, and because of that decision-making, there's been some days where I, I'm 10 miles out of the house and my brain's just like, nope, not today. And I turn around and go put the bike back in the garage. So, yeah, it and happens. You know, I know a few people, and I understand that because there are those days where it's, you want to go for it, but mentally it's just like your brain's just not there. It's like, man, it's just it's not the right day for it. Yeah, and if you're smart and you listen to that, you get enough miles under you, you start to listen to that voice and you go park the bike. <laughs> yeah. And for good reason too. And, you know, that's where it comes in, you know, knowing yourself and, and actually listening to yourself. Yeah. No, no, knowing and listening to it are two different things. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. But yeah, well, well shoot, man, this has been a good time. Yeah, man. It's been a, been a good chat. It went fast for sure. I just looked at the, at, uh, at the time. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, time flies when you're having fun talking to stuff that you enjoy. For sure, we could. I think we could both talk talk bikes and rides till the cows come home. So, oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, come come springtime, we're gonna have to have to hook up for some rides. It'd be a good time, even just riding down to meeting in the middle and going somewhere. Because, oh, for sure. I mean, shoot, an hour for you, an hour for me. Shoot, we could be meeting down by Hoodsport. Oh yeah, I was just yeah. You know, I'm like, I was just looking at thinking about. It. I'm like, yeah, that's you know, right up. You know, even the even the Hood Canal Bridge area for me, depending on which way I go up there. So. Yeah, a fun one. Do you come up the canal, then you cut off right down by uh, Quillacy, and you can head down and take the back roads through Chimicum. There's some cool back highways and loop back around. You can actually come back down right back by the bridge. Yeah, there's that's a great loop. I think I've only done that one once or twice, but it's a great loop. So. Yeah, and honestly, you know, I've lived up here all my life, and I swear there's times you get down in some of those areas, that Port Townsend Chimicum area, and pff, I could get lost. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm glad there's glad i got a gps on the bike sometimes because it makes it a little more uh easy to go exploring because then you just hit the go home button and you start getting out of whack <laughs> yeah Dude, that's very true i've been there myself so i've had so, a few of those but for sure we'll definitely uh we'll link up share some miles and some more stories absolutely man so, yeah get up you know summertime we definitely after you're coming back through your cruise yeah we'll be staying in touch and you know love to meet you up here and shoot maybe you know, i don't know how many guys will be going with you or whatnot but always do a huge barbecue at my house come summertime when you guys are finishing your run there we go yeah we'll uh we'll uh i'll hit you up offline about some other stuff that's going on absolutely that's, uh, still in the works we're not ready to bring out in public eye yet but uh we'll throw some of that stuff your way as it develops and let you know what's going on hey so. yeah i'm always down for riding got some guys up here and you know if there's any way i could help too hey i'm, I'm more than happy to help because you know the whole cause of what you're doing is something that you know i hold close and dear to my heart and you know, with my family, we'd love to help out where we can. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's the that's the big thing is just helping each other out. That's how we get through life, right? So, Amen. Nobody does it alone. This so. is true. But it's it's been fun. We'll uh, yeah. definitely do it. Absolutely, you guys can check him out at Two Wheels to Survive on all platforms: Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yep, He's and there. then uh, there's also uh, Two Wheels to Survive dot com has a. Uh, the blog entries from the old trip and some blog entries along the years here too. They're a little more traditionally formatted. So 
but so yeah, a little yeah. bit of everything. <laughs> and we will link up all, all your social media links. I'll, we'll put down, they'll be down below you guys, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast, all the information will be listed down below in the description. So you guys can click the links and check it out. I appreciate it, man. That'll be awesome. We'll, uh, we'll spread the word and do what we can to save some more lives. Absolutely, man. Thank you for coming on guys. And feel free to follow along his adventures and, and stay tuned and see what he has coming up in the future. It's going to be a good time. All right. Well, y'all guys all ride safe, have fun, and uh, enjoy the miles of smiles. Enjoy that throttle therapy. You have a good one, Michael. Hey, thank you for joining us tonight, bud. All right. Yeah, you have a good one too, man. It was a pleasure being on. We'll uh, we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely.